as ever, I can tell you that. Right. We're putting our hands on passes and balls. and Receivers, uh, they couldn't catch a cold if it was the middle of February. Well, well I don't get it. I got a day cold. It's no good! He missed it. it! He missed it! Drop it on my feet next time. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 88 of the Soda City Sit-Down. We are still reeling a little bit here this week, uh, still swallowing that loss to Kentucky. It's, it's been a hard one, and uh, just kind of looking forward to getting out of this one, hopefully breaking that losing streak this week, and getting into Troy. Uh, we'll have a bit of a preview for that. We won't really be doing a lot of the Kentucky breakdown on this podcast because that was on episode seven. That was released Monday, right? Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So we got our we got our kind of final thoughts on there. I know me and Devin aired our grievances out. Tyler, I don't know if you had any any wrap up. I don't know if you listened to that one. If if you have your own final thoughts on the game before we move on. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really have a lot to really say. I think I have. Um, they put all of my transgressions about the game into the ear of my wife, uh, so God bless her for that. It's been a tough last three days now um, since we're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, is that my mouth right? Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, I was a BA, not a BS in college, so forgive me if the math is wrong. But um, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is just I know Devin is where he's at. I think. Matt, you seem to be a bit more neutral about it. Devin is like all the way edge of the cliff as he normally is after a loss. But uh, um, I'm just kind of in this so spot. Things are where they should be, right? Let me guess. You took away the positives from this game. <laughs> no, I'm. I, you well, are <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, I, I really didn't. It's just my, my thing is, it's like how mad is too mad, and like because I think end of the day. There is, we are where we, like, the overall projection of, like, when we did the preseason breakdown, we said this team is probably going to be 2-2 two two at this point. And we're 2-2. Two two. So, like, do we get pissed off because we lost to Kentucky? Or do we pissed off because we lost a game to Kentucky that we should have won? That thing, that's a more fair way to look at it. Um, like, I, I'm not mad that necessarily, I think that's more what it is. Like, I'm not mad that we lost to Kentucky. I'm mad that we lost a game that we should have won. And that really kind of probably plays out to anybody. I mean, I'd probably been mad if we had that, if it was Georgia in that position. Obviously, Georgia, I mean, that is extremely hypothetical. But if we had Georgia on the ropes like that and we didn't finish the job, I think we would have been just as angry. And regardless of, there's obviously a massive talent gap too between Georgia and Kentucky. And like I said, it's extremely hypothetical what I'm saying right here. But if I'm making sense, I have no idea. But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what, what we said from last podcast. It, it it hurts a little bit worse because we didn't really get beat by a team that looked good. Yeah, we we were bad and they were bad. We were just worse. And yeah, that that hurts. It stings. And the thing is, talent wise, we weren't even worse. Like. No, we, we, I feel we like we were better worse. at every yeah, position no. besides offensive line. Like, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that there. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's. I think the frustration is as I'm talking it out and kind of for the first time with somebody who's actually going to respond back to me, and my wife just kind of nods and you done yet, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, um, it, now that y'all are kind of bouncing things off, like I think that's what it is. Like I, I'm just frustrated more of how we lost 
than the fact that we lost. And I, I think that's very fair. Um, I think there's some reactions from the fan base that are unfair. Um, I think calling out guys like Adkins and Satterfield are very fair. Necessarily calling for their jobs four games into a tenure, I think it's still definitely too early for that. Um, I mean, we saw Auburn fire a coach a couple games in, and we put out a poll Monday that was asking, you know, do we think that this was a panic hire or a commitment to a commitment to winning? Because that was one thing that we seen from our own fan base. You know, it's like, well, we we don't have a commitment to winning. We don't have a commitment to winning. We have these hires. We're going to hold on to them and blah blah blah. And people said it. You know, when they when a couple people had the takes when Auburn did fire their coach, like, well, that's because Auburn's committed to winning. But I think the majority of the fan base, or at least of our followers, they agreed that. Well, I don't know about agreed because. I some people on this podcast might have different views on it, um, but they seem to have the consensus that overwhelmingly about three quarters of our followers that participated in the poll thought that it was a panic hire over a commitment to winning. And it's just kind of like, where do you sit? Like, we definitely need to see improvement. We need to see that these guys can coach and work their way through it. Um, I, I've said things. I know there's been some frustration with Satterfield in the last couple games. I thought against ECU, was it a perfect play call? No, but I think that there was some aggression and, and things that, you know, it wasn't always just sticking to the run. I know they were talking about people were frustrated with him running up the middle on on third and long. And, you know, at that point in the game, it would be third down and they'd drop back with Zeb and Zeb would get sacked and third and eight turns into fourth and 15 and you're losing the field position battle. And then, you know, you, you could break off a run and it turns into a first down on that third and eight, but at least it's a third and five. You're not losing, you're not losing ground and you're still in a good position. I know it's complicated and it's not, it's not what you want. You're still offensive deficiencies, but I don't think it's a bad play call. I'm going to stand by the fact that the play call in the end zone against Georgia was not a bad, bad play call. It was, it was tough execution, but I don't even think it was bad play calling going on the fourth downs. I, I know I, I think we should have taken the points on the on the first field goal uh, or the first time when we were right in the field goal range. I do think we should have taken the points. But like I'm not mad seeing the aggression. And it, it, I think it's exciting still. And it's one of those things, you know, if they, if they catch the ball, Satterfield's a genius. Satterfield is Spurrier 2.0 and how he's aggressive Looking and going for it. Looking back on those plays, uh, yeah, obviously we missed the catch on uh... – it was just a drop on the first one, but the one that we threw it to Joiner, um, Brooks was on that corner route, was wide open in the end zone, and that's one that that one's on Doty. Yeah, that's exactly uh, that. That's one I missed that that we didn't really talk about much in the rapid reaction, but that was that was a play call that that worked, and I don't know if there was a lot of pressure or what there that got to the quarterback, but he had a guy open. Uh, yeah, I don't. Know. I, I actually like the play calling on both of those plays. So Tyler, you were talking about the run plays. So I'm not sure if this is the one you're referencing. The the two draws on third and fourth down, are those the one you're saying you don't think were that bad? No, I'm talking specifically against Eastern Carolina. Oh, okay. okay. There were plays. There were plays that. Um, no, I mean, I I I did hear you have the the problem with that, and you call that very much champ like. I don't know if I necessarily call that much champ like because much champ would not have. My shame would have punted the ball on fourth down, <laughs> to be completely exact with you. <laughs> that's fair. But, that's fair, but I have I've have seen that from Muschamp, like yeah, literally I, that visible third and fourth down draw that I hated from, the, right shotgun, from the shotgun specifically. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 you know the the guys Matt, um, I know me and Matt sat 
relatively together at the game on Saturday. And I don't know if you really listened to the guys behind us. Um, they were talking a lot, and they probably had more X's and O knowledge than I have. I've said a hundred times on the podcast that I don't have X's and O knowledge. I have, you know, you have that gut feel of like, eh, should we have done that there? You know, that. Um, but, you know, they were talking, there's just something about it where they just don't really like Doty under center, and, and they, they run out of the shotgun a lot is what they were saying. Um, and it makes sense. Like, I don't know is if that might be something because of the injury or anything like that, and, they, you know, they wanted to give him a little bit of space, especially because offensive line, Beamer kind of said it in his press conference today, their footwork and all that, and they already heard him one time in practice. So, I mean, do they, is it because of that? Is it other issues? Um, I don't know. But um, – I'll say this: I liked the way Doty moved the pocket in this game against Kentucky. I thought he did a really nice. I job think I think in both games that we've seen Doty, it, it, is Doty a guy that we've seen so far that can go out and throw three hundred yards and three touchdowns or something like that, or even really two fifty. We haven't seen that yet. I don't know if that's necessarily fair to criticize Doty on that. I mean, he seems to kind of be a guy that's going to go out and get a hundred and fifty yards and a touchdown. I think that might be more the product of the skill around him than himself. But I thought in the in the two games, he's looked incredibly poised and and ready for the action. Um, I mean, is there stuff that you can nitpick when you watch back on film? Yes, obviously, like Matt said, you know, we said Brooks was in the end zone. That's going to happen with any quarterback. You know, you want it to happen as little as possible. But I thought he's looked really good, um, and and he's kind of stayed in the pocket and. and made some throws uh, he made a couple of throws uh even on saturday night you know on the few third down conversions that we had there was a couple of throws at times that he kind of stood in there and made the throw but um i, I know i said i wasn't going to sit there and talk about all the positives and i've talked about a couple of positives there but i mean no i mean we agree with you i think we were in, in agreement on that Doty played pretty well yeah and i think he's the the no-brainer starter on this team talking about play call the one the, the most frustrating thing that I had from the play call on Saturday night is why were we not afraid to throw the ball downfield against Georgia, but we would we refuse to do it against Kentucky. Yeah, I I think that moving forward, we've if these issues continue, and we'll talk about it a little bit with Troy, um, but we've got to go a little bit more pass heavy right now. I think so until too. Until these these and, things get and get solved, I, I are our wide receivers perfect? By no means are we perfect. I do believe that we are much improved and better than advertised in that position group. I know that there yeah, were we haven't group. used our tight ends enough. I, I'll, yeah, I'll be and, and, and let me say that. this: we have weapons, guys. We, we, yeah, let me say our wide receivers may not have been a huge strength going into the year, but they've played probably above what our standards were going into yes. the year. Plus, like we we know we have a bunch of running backs who can do it out of the backfield. We've got tight ends. We've got you the know, weapons to do it. This might be the wrong time to bring it up, but I know Tyler's not going to like this. So, Tyler, try not to tear into me too much here. You're going to say something about but, Dak? Yeah, I think it's time to move on from Dak. He doesn't have hands, and he doesn't he, have a whole lot of vertical a, he speed. He had a nice snag in that end zone against Houston Carolina. I think I think they can use him in like some like, more as like a pass-catching running back. I, I don't know, like someone that can just kind of, I don't know, maybe not pass-catching. I mean, he can make plays with the ball in his hand. I mean, he can, but he's got to get the yeah, ball. He's got to get the ball in his hand, I, whether he catches the ball I'm, or whatever. What I, what I think about that is we just haven't done it yet. If we're going to use him, we have to use him. Through how many games has he been playing receiver as a starter? I mean, this 
DeFord from this year. I think Kentucky, he had a decent game against Kentucky at the end of last year when we were getting blown out, but we just, we've, we've heard all this stuff about how like he's such a freak athlete. We can utilize him in so many ways and we really haven't done anything with him. We haven't used any packages to have him throw the ball. The, the situations he's come in as, at Wildcat have been pathetically called. I mean, a guy comes in to be a Wildcat quarterback, you're, you know he's probably going to run up the middle. So can we do something? Like, the guy's got an arm. He played quarterback for a long time. I'm not saying he should should be a quarterback, but if we're going to utilize his skills, why not throw some trickeration, use him as a as a wide receiver in, like, a trick play situation? Yeah. Uh, or like the Wildcat and let him throw the ball a little bit. Yeah, do you like, like what that. we would do with know. Ellington. And, and, you know, I mean, Ellington was probably pretty comparable to, to Dak Joyner. I mean, I never really watched – I never watched Ellington really play high school football, um, but I, I did watch Dak Joyner play high school football, and he was very impressive at it. Um, I watched that Fort Dorchester team destroy Asheridge High School, um, a, a very good Asheridge High School team that year. Um, it, it, they went on to win the state championship, and if they can run packages like, a, like, I, like they did with, with Bruce, I mean, it wasn't every single game, but... You know something where oh it's a wildcat and then he he drops back and hits somebody wide open because you know you're you're not covering anybody. I mean he can hit a wide open receiver if he needs to. That'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see. But it's just having the balls to to play that and I don't know. Well, you know you, you said you know we got to get the ball in his hands from to make those plays, but it doesn't really help when he isn't no you're isn't catching great. You're absolutely right. Uh, and the reason, only reason I even say that isn't really because of Dak. I mean, it was more because of Rico Powers from this from this Kentucky game. I thought getting the ball to Rico Powers, he looked he looked pretty good in there. And I think he's eventually going to end up being our top receiver. You know, once uh, once Van's gone, and uh, also uh, Amirion Brown, he was this you know he was an all he's ACC non-existent, guy, right? man. He hasn't been thrown the ball once. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really have much to complain about our receivers outside of Dak, and I, I don't know. I just, I just don't understand why some of these guys aren't getting looks. I don't I think know. Part of that is like we only, we, we really haven't thrown the ball enough. I mean, we, we talk about the tight ends a lot, like Jaheim Bell and Nick Muse. They're good players, and what, what did we say? Nick Muse is averaging like a catch a game. Jaheim Bell had to go and sky over Josh Van just to get a catch in that ECU game. Like, we need <laughs> yeah. to use, utilize these guys. And both more. these guys, As, granted competition was what it was, but both these guys were targeted and, and very effective against EIU. And it's like, well, what happened? It, it seemed like we were like, wow, we're going to come out and we're going to throw a tight end eight times a game, ten times a game, and nothing. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so Tyler, and I think you're right that you know making any rash decisions on firing coaches is completely irrational. But do you think if we don't see some more inspired play calling, that a one year or first year fire would be appropriate or no? Because you got to remember, like when we were hiring Satterfield, Beamer wasn't ever gonna hire him he was always asking Satterfield about you know what do you think of this guy what do you think of this guy and then eventually ended up hiring him and I gotta be honest I have no faith in Satterfield I don't like what I've seen and he's never been in OC and it just it worries me and that's you know an overreaction sure but do you think a a year one fire is warranted if this doesn't improve down the line I mean I I think it's more of what you're saying like an end of the year thing yeah, I, well, I mean, I think we'll if have this to continues see. and there's not some big 
I mean, it, it, well, think about it, what we've seen through the first four games. There's there's eight more games to go in the season. There's going to be plenty of time for him to improve. But if if everything's called the way it is and the O line plays the way it is, we're not going to win a lot of games. We we might be a three and nine, four and eight team. And in order to break through that threshold, I think there's going to have to be massive improvements. I still think it's too early. I think that you know it, it is going to be we're going to take some lumps with having a first year offensive coordinator and. But that, that is kind of what it takes, and I think he's going to learn a lot. I, mean, I think the guys trust his system. Juju McDowell was, was backing him up today. So I think you know part of it is, is going to be on, on him to make some uh, adjustments. We'll see exactly what happens there, but honestly, I'm, I'm done with the, with the first four games. We've learned what we've learned, and uh, we've got a, a really important stretch coming up here in the next few games too. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, and just to kind of get my answer in, first off, Satterfield has been an offensive coordinator before. Um, he's got nine. Sorry, in the what SEC? No, I, I guess I meant the SEC. No, yeah, I mean he's been in you know I mean UT Martin and Temple, but regardless of it, it is experience. Um, and you'd have to kind of assume that anywhere before you get here is going to be lesser experience than SEC play. A lot of times, um, like it's going to be very very wait and see on that Devin because I mean it's a fair question after a year uh like I I mean I think Muschamp probably should have fired Kurt Roper after a year um but he didn't and he eventually did after two and made another bad hire but you know it is what it is and um I I mean I don't know I mean I I don't know what you're going to consider inspired play call I think that's going to be kind of a, a an opinion thing um I just want to see. I, I really just want to see. I, I I want to see offensive line play increase, and whether that's going to fall on Atkins or Satterfield, I don't know because I don't know where exactly the problem lies. But that's what I want to see. And if one of if that can get better, I really think that a lot of other things can kind of fall into place. That might be sunshine pumping initial thinking, but that's just where I'm at. So do y'all want to move on to uh, the Troy game? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we absolutely can. I didn't expect to take this much time talking about the Kentucky, but. It's still, it's still fresh. I think it was a lot of big picture stuff too. I mean, it wasn't really yeah. just about Kentucky. Yeah, it's like that's where true. We are through the first third of the season, and I think it's a lot of fair points. But to move on to Troy, it's going to be a home game, three thirty kickoff. So the first uh, non-night game. But you know, we've been really fortunate with these kickoff times. Three thirty is uh, still better than noon, in my opinion. I gotta say, uh, South Carolina. I mean, I'm not going to be at this game, but driving back, I mean, I went to the EIU game and the Kentucky game and drove back to Somerville. After that game, oh my god, I was dead. I'm dead. I'm like I'm physically dead. The drive back after Kentucky, I, the only reason I stayed awake is because I was so pissed. I'm glad to see a 3:30 <laughs> kickoff that I can just stay at home and then like go to bed at eight o'clock. That's fair. Well, we opened as a nine point favorite, so that's the line we're gonna go off of. I think it may have shrunk down to seven uh, as of now, but we're going off nine. Um, one fortunate thing I think through the first couple games is uh, outside of Sherrod Green and uh, Luke Doty's preseason injury, uh, we've we've been knock on woods pretty good on the injury front. No new injuries from the previous game that are notable. Um, so yeah, it's uh, fifth game of the year. We're gonna get into moving the chains here. Unless y'all have any other pre commentary about this. No. So, no, not really. Yeah. No. So, uh, moving the chains, our weekly segment, uh, previewing the the next game. First down is going to be what we 
are really confident in in South Carolina going into the first uh, into the next game. Uh, second down being what we're a little worried about from our end, and then third and fourth down it shifts to the opponent. Uh, what we are worried about uh, from the opponent on third down, and what we think we can take advantage of, maybe a weakness of the opponent as the fourth down. So uh, starting with us on first down, I feel like we've seen some splashes from both our passing game at times and on kind of on the opposite side, forcing turnovers. And a lot of that has been our secondary. We've had our, our D-line force a couple here and there, but Jalen Foster leading the SEC right now in picks. Um, and then the South Carolina offense, Josh Van didn't have his best game last time. I, I kind of blame that more on the play calling than anything because he just wasn't targeted enough. But uh, the impact players for us, I think, are Josh Van on the uh, the South Carolina on the offensive end, and then um, Jalen Foster on the D end to to make some big explosive plays. Yeah, for me, I think you know the best thing that we have going for us against Troy is going to be our our. Uh, pass rush I think you know at the end of the day and, and I think we said this week one is that our strength would be you know the trenches but um at least, I think our at pass least rush should have Troy yeah at <laughs> least a trench um but I think our pass rush has been really good this year uh obviously we didn't have any sacks against Kentucky but I mean they didn't really throw the ball very much so they didn't need to I think you know you know so I think Troy they have a seems like they have a good passing attack but I think Playing up, uh, playing up against one of the best uh, pass rushes in the SEC is going to be too much for them. So let's hope it's consistent and if our pass rush plays like they have all year. I think this should be a dub. Yeah, um, and I'm just going to kind of explain that to the whole defense. I know that we've had issues with, you know, especially Devin has pointed out that he, he definitely thinks that the secondary was exposed against Georgia. I agree with him. I'm not saying we have a perfect secondary or a perfect defense. Um, but this stat in general has been a strength, and I think with an opponent like with like Troy, is it's going to be in our favor on that one. Um, we should be able to kind of bully and do what we want in this game. Um, I don't know if this really counts as how we're kind of encompassing first down, um, but I think another thing that's going to really help with this game for South Carolina is where this game falls um, specifically because we got out hot, 2-2, two and two, everything was fun and dandy and smiles and dandelions and all that and then we've we've gotten punched in the face in the last two games and this is a game that should easily be a bounce back game should easily be three and two knocking on wood but a game that it's not a pushover team but it's not a, a real real threat you still need to keep your eyes open but you know they it can be a confidence building game you know maybe that offensive line they've worked on a couple things and they don't have to you know pull it out against an SEC defense and they can say, okay, we can, it can be a confidence building and, and we get a couple of blocks and maybe a pancake or two here. And, and we keep, you keep Doty's Jersey clean and it just builds that confidence into the game. Again, I don't know if this is really what first down is looking for, but I, I think this is a, a possible positive out of this game. Yeah. Over to second down, I think until proven otherwise, the obvious one is the O-line. But really, just the rushing attack in general, I feel like, is is a worry in this game. Um, and that, that goes a little bit with over to Troy. Like, they're not allowing a whole lot of rushing yards. Um, but I don't really care who the opponent is right now. Like, Kentucky was allowing a good amount of rushing yards, and, and we still got stuffed by them. 
So, I mean, really, there's there's not much more to say there other than until that unit and that that ground attack gets better, we're going to be a pretty one-dimensional team. So that that's definitely continues to be a worry. Yeah, let me not get that confused. I'm not saying we're going to have a strong offensive line. I'm just saying it could be a confidence booster because I agree with you there. Until proven otherwise. It's definitely, it's definitely a time. Uh, this is the week to, to kind of figure it out. If, if we're going to try new stuff on the O-line, we're going to change up how we communicate, change up how we just do anything from a coaching aspect. Uh, I think this week is a good time. And, and, you know, even mess with personnel changes. I don't know if there's been, like, really, from what I've seen, a whole lot of difference changing out guy for guy. But... This could be the time to really figure out, hey, is the is the starting left tackle spot solidified or do we need to try two guys out and, and see who's who's being more impactful? Yeah, I, I definitely agree there. Be ready for third down? Yeah, uh, so third down we move over to Troy. Uh, obviously this isn't like an SEC team, so uh, week in and week out we, we really don't watch Troy football play much. You don't but watch Troy one football? Thing, definitely not. I record. But, I record the coaches' show said, every Sunday night. <laughs> that being said, for third down, I, I think I've I've got to look at some of their defensive statistics and and be a little worried, especially the way our our O line is played. So they're only allowing ninety six rushing yards a game, and albeit there's they haven't played a whole lot of great teams, but that's that's still pretty stingy. And for for our team, who's you know. We're averaging 125 rushing yards a game, but really, if you take out the Eastern Illinois game, it's it's significantly less than that. And I just think they're going to hold up against us right now, from what I've seen. So for us to come out passing, I think, is an important aspect of this game. But I, I am a little bit worried about that rush. Yeah, that's my biggest thing. I mean... <laughs> It's an easy one, but it's what we've seen from our low end so far. We have one of the worst offenses in the country uh, statistically, and I know obviously we play in the SEC. Troy doesn't, but, you know, if our offense can't get it going against ECU, it makes me really worried about games like this that we should win, but, you know, we might be stagnant again. And if that's the case, it's going to be really hard to win this game convincingly. Yeah, and then my other thing is Troy is is kind of one of those football programs that in the past has been like a, a I don't want to say like a giant killer, but they've been somebody that you've seen come across the bottom line on ESPN, and you're like, oh wow, like Troy played him close. Troy did that. Uh, Troy beat LSU in Baton Rouge like four years ago. Uh, and yeah, I joked about it, and the, one of our preseason podcasts, I think we were breaking down the schedule initially, I was like, guys, you know, hate me for it, but uh, if losing to Troy means you win a national championship a year or two later, I will sign up for that now. Um, I still stand by that comment, but uh, as I, even though I did say that kind of a joke, I, I'd still be very, very pissed if we lost tomorrow because I wouldn't know for sure if we win that national championship in a year or two. Um, but... There's a team that has done it before, and I think when it's a team kind of does that before, then every time they go and they play an SEC team at home, they're going to say, "Hey, we did it four years ago. Why can't we do it now?" You know, and you got to just pay attention to that. I think it's also fair to, in this category, put that Troy, while not to the level of most of the SEC, they're no Eastern Illinois either. 
This yeah, is, exactly. This is going to exactly. be a test. We were 40-point favorites against Eastern Illinois. We're single-digit favorites against this team. We could absolutely lose this game. South Carolina and, lost and, and, to the Citadel in this decade. We can lose to Troy. <laughs> absolutely. Um, over to fourth down, I think you, you kind of look at some of their results. Uh, they lost to Liberty, who's a decent team. They beat Southern Miss, who, you know, whatever. They beat Southern, whatever. Their, their one result that I look at, that gives me a, a, a confidence going into this game is the, the last week result against UL Monroe. So we saw Louisiana Monroe, who wins against Troy 29-16. to This UL Monroe team went 0-10 last year. They're bad. And looking at some of the statistics from this game, UL Monroe's defense scored a lot of... I think they may have had a pick six. They, they dominated in the turnover battle, which South Carolina's been pretty solid with all year. Uh, that that's one thing I'm I'm feeling pretty good about is how our defense plays against this offense. I don't think they're they're going to do anything too dynamic. I will say, it's going to take a, a good effort from our secondary because this Troy team wants to throw the ball more. But with our pass rush the way it's been this year, and uh, you know we still have a maybe a talent issue in the secondary. But despite all that, I I do like how we match up against this team. If we're getting our good pass rush as normal. I think we're going to come up with a, a good number of uh, turnovers and everything, and I'm excited about it. Not to mention also that Kentucky beat this UL Monroe team 45-10. to 10. And so if Kentucky was scoring 45 points on UL Monroe's defense, I know this is going into a lot of different results. but Yeah, like, you're going if far Kentucky's, into the transfer property of It is, of it wins, is, but you know... And that's dangerous. Point, <laughs> it is, it's absolutely dangerous. But I, I'm just saying, if Kentucky's offense, who was only able to put 16 on us, was able to score 45 on the team that Troy, you know, couldn't get more than 15 points against. It's at least notable in my head. Yeah. Now, you're you're really underselling this University of Louisiana Monroe team. I'm looking at their schedule, dude, and, and they took down prime time. They beat prime time in Jackson State, Deion Sanders, and all the Sanders boys, Shiloh included, 12-7 to just two weeks ago. I mean, come on. I mean— the future Florida State coach himself couldn't beat University of Louisiana Monroe. Let's not get around here. But uh, yeah, if that's if that's all we got, uh, are y'all ready to get into score predictions? Yeah, here? let's go for it. Or right, y'all can do your score predictions, and I'll do what I do. Tyler, you go first. Just get it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I do think that this is going to be. I'm not saying that everything's going to start clicking in this game, but I think that we're going to be able to do what we need to do enough uh, to cover in this game. Um, I don't know by how much, but I, I I do say we cover. This isn't. I don't think they're really touching Eastern Carolina or anything like that. I don't think this should be one of those games that. Well, oh well, they might lose it. I know we've talked about how Troy can do it. I just don't think that they will. Um, they're two and two as well, and and their two and two isn't the same kind of two and two as we are. And I just definitely think top to bottom we're the better team, and we'll cover it pretty easily. Yeah, um, you know, just from what I've seen through four games, I just don't have a whole lot of faith in this offense that we're going to put up a big score on Troy. But I do think our defense should be able to handle them pretty, pretty easily, hopefully. So I'm thinking like a twenty to ten type score. All right. Uh, I'm kind of right there with you. Um, yeah, the offense is going to be a worry until it's not. I I do really look for us to air it out a little bit more in this game. 
I think this could be a big moment for Satterfield to to really work out some of the kinks with the offensive play calling. Uh, a good week for the offensive line to get it together before we get back into a couple more SEC games. Um, I really, though, like the defense in this game. I, I think we haven't really seen a team that really heavily favors passing the ball. And while that worries me a little bit from our defensive backs inexperience, it also gives me excitement because it, it means our pass rushers really get to do what they love to do and what they're good at. Um, if, if our defensive line shows up in this game, I think we're going to come up with a lot of turnovers, a lot of sacks, and our defense is going to feast. Um, I've got 27-17. to 17. I do think they, they score points here and there, maybe some breaks, breaks in coverage. But I really like what our – I think our defense is going to give us a lot of chances to score, if not scoring a touchdown themselves. I mean, they've come up with touchdowns in two out of the four games. And, and really, in Georgia and Kentucky, they had – they were close on a couple opportunities. So that's what I got. And, uh, yeah, that, that pretty much wraps it up for this week uh, with the Troy preview. I have a, I just have one on. quick question yes. on it all. Um, I know there was a lot of talk around, you know, the, the fan base and stuff. Um that is talking about, um, you know, was was Saturday's game must win, and I think you know that was fair kind of thing. I don't really know. I still don't know where I kind of fall on that because, like I said, I don't I don't know where everything is. Um, but kind of piggybacking off of that is this game. When we talk about like these things need to click, if it doesn't click against Troy. Is it kind of like it's never going to happen? Is that is that where you guys are, or or what? Not necessarily, but I would call it a must win. I definitely. Oh well, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not asking win. that question. Yeah. Absolutely, if you lose okay. this game, is bad. I mean, that's bad. But I'm just saying, I mean, if it doesn't even, click, even the Eastern Illinois game, right? Like we looked pretty solid, but not everything. Clicked. Yeah, exactly. I don't expect like, everything to click in this game, but I do need. There needs to be a, a level of progress in the areas we've been weak so far. But this I mean, season. like, if we don't come I, out and rush for like 150 yards against Troy, are you? Do you have any hope that it's going to happen? Not really. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I don't know that necessarily. That's going to be our identity this year. From what I've seen, I think that's what we wanted to do because we were good at it last year. But I think that but right now, I, I just don't think that's going to be the play. I think we need to. I, now, if, if I, we I do get 150 rushing yards, well, here's the thing. I think that. That we can get 150 rushing yards, but they're yards, still running the ball. The run. They're running the ball like we can get 150 rushing yards. Like that is still our identity. And oh yeah, that's, that's what we've done through four games. There. I agree. Yeah, but I think what what I really would like to see, and I think the way I'm not I'm no coach, so I could be talking out of my ass here. But I really think the we way always we get do. to the 150 rushing mark is By we have to ball. pass it. We have I, to pass it. I completely agree. Significantly more than we run the ball. And yeah. even if that doesn't equal 150 rushing yards, if it means we're getting five, six yards a rush on 15 rushes rather than three yards a carry on 30, like I'd take that all day. No, yeah, I, I completely agree there. I, I, I was, I was, you probably heard me yelling it on Saturday night. We need to throw the ball. We need to throw the ball and open up the running lanes. But anyway, um, I think that's enough of kind of talking about. The Gamecocks for the rest of this. Let's uh, let's get our, our rest of the SEC breakdowns, don't you think? Yeah, here we go. Another another week of me going <laughs> uh, below five hundred in picks. Um, actually, really, all of us did pretty bad outside of Austin, who did okay. Hey, I had the BC but, uh, pick. Yeah, you did I get had the, the BC, BC pick. pick. 
the Mississippi State thing was, I mean, that was like one of the ones that needs to go on bad beats. Oh, like, absolutely. I, I stopped looking at the score. It was like 27 to, or 28 to 10, LSU's winning with like four minutes left, and they give up 15 points in the in garbage time. Unbelievable way to lose a cover. That's Mike Leach but, uh, for you. Yeah. Lose fun, right? But Devin leads the pack still, as pretty much all of us outside of Austin went 3-5 and five last week, so it stays relatively the same. Devin at 22 and 16 got a one game lead over Tyler at 21 and 17. Clayton just one behind him at 20 and 18. Austin filing right in line, one game behind Clayton at 19 and 19. And then I am five games behind Austin, well in last place at 14 and 24. And you know, Devin, you talked about all of our good analysis we had last week when you were you weren't here. Uh, how does how does it feel now? We had great analysis and we we averaged going about three and five this week. Yeah, I don't know. Not, we're just not smart people. So we, we don't do this for a living. But we sound smart. Do I sound mean, even smart. the people that, that do this for a living probably wouldn't be much better. I mean, I mean the spread is Vegas, you know. It's something yeah. you're supposed to go 50-50 on. So and if you're a group, doing better than 50-50. <laughs> I know I've said this in our chats and it gets everyone triggered. But, you know, as a group, we're doing okay. I, See, I, you're the guy that gets picked last and gets the dub and... Yeah, I'm 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 negative ten, but as a group, everyone else is positive twelve, so we're doing good. <laughs> That's really yeah. bad. I, <laughs> saying that out loud. Uh, anyway, uh, let's let's get into it here. So we made our predictions for South Carolina Troy. It looks like uh, all of us have South Carolina covering outside of Austin, who had South Carolina winning by a touchdown. So it's interesting score there. But as we move on to probably the biggest game of the uh maybe the biggest game of the sec year so far that maybe we didn't expect to be as hype as it is but arkansas maybe absolutely not who's been amazing this year at georgia a noon game and georgia is an 18 point favorite uh what, what do we think about this one i'm kind of surprised that's by tough. that line and that's very tough that's really tough because i mean arkansas has looked very good but are they good enough to go toe-to-toe with Georgia? And logic tells you they got to be good enough to stay within 18 points, right? But, but the SEC it? isn't logical, does... so I'm picking Georgia. <laughs> Nothing about Arkansas <laughs> has been logical the last two years. Yeah, I mean, we pick them because we think they're going to be good, and then they lose, and then we don't pick them because we think, hey, maybe they're just pretenders, and then they blow out Texas so or A&M. So I, I, I don't know. But I think Georgia's defense is good, and I feel like a lot of y'all are going to pick Arkansas, so I'm going to go with Georgia here. I think I am going to go with Arkansas, but I also don't think this is really going to be a game. It's just, like, I was fully prepared to come in here and pick uh, pick Georgia, but then I see the 18 points is just too much. If it's 12, 13, I think I've got Georgia, but I think, I think Arkansas hangs in long enough to keep this uh, within that score. Yeah, um, seeing that Matt has gone Arkansas, I'm now going to go Georgia. Um, but this is one that I can really, I mean, I, I wish it was like, can I just take a tie on this one or just like throw this game out? Because I I don't think that Arkansas is necessarily good enough to go toe-to-toe with Georgia. But you're talking about an 18-point spread. You don't have to go toe-to-toe with Georgia and still cover that spread. Um, I, I think, you know, it's a noon game. Um, you know, there's, it, it, isn't it the game day matchup or something like that? or 
Yeah, so there's going to be the excitement from that, but at the same time, it's a noon game. So do you really get that excitement? Because it's not like you can go to game day and tailgate. I mean, you, you got to go right into the stadium or missing the game day. So it's just a lot of complicated stuff. Um, and I, I just I, it's just tough. It's really tough because Arkansas has looked really good. Do I think that Arkansas is there yet? Um, no, I really don't, especially not with the top dogs in the SEC. Um, which right now would probably be, I mean, it would be better than them for sure, or Georgia and Alabama. And I can even argue, like, maybe even Florida. Um, and that's really only because they look so good against Alabama. But I really just think that um, it's going to be a bit of a letdown game from Arkansas. They've, they've hyped it up so much, and, you know, the bubble has to pop a little bit. Well, you know, people have been comparing Arkansas's quarterback to Cam Newton, so... That's an interesting little fact, and I think that this this game is going to be really fun to watch, regardless what happens. Oh, I, I definitely yeah, I mean, agree. I, I think Arkansas kind of showed up when when people doubted them all year, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're in this game to the end, nah. if not pull out a close win. But uh, moving on to the next game, which you know you could say this one's equally as exciting. Uh, I would say Ole Miss it's more at exciting Alabama. Personally. Yeah, Alabama a twenty point favorite in this game, and. I'm going to just stay straight up. There's no way they win by 20. Uh, Ole Miss is... No. Even last year, when Ole Miss was not that good, I mean, they put a ton of points on Alabama. They made, they gave uh, Saban headaches over there. I think this this could be an upset candidate for real. Uh, I'm definitely taking the 20-point cover, though, from uh, from Ole Miss here. Yeah. I, I... Has anybody watched... Uh... Watched Ole Miss's defense this year at all? I haven't it, seen it. Looks, it, it looks better. It's better. For sure. They looked pretty good against Louisville for what it's worth. I don't know how much how important that I is. I don't know. I don't know how much worth you really put in. There's not out. a lot of important results from their schedule yet. They've played they had a bye week already, which is super weird. What? <laughs> True. So they're rested. <laughs> um yeah. Definitely. I, <laughs> um yeah, I, I, I have a lot of faith that um there's always a stat um whenever a former assistant under Saban comes around and plays Saban, that Saban has never lost to a former assistant. Um, I think that eventually that's going to have to fall, I would I would imagine. Maybe not. Maybe it never falls. But I think if somebody was going to do it, I think it's Kiffin. I think it's Kiffin because I think what I've seen from so many of Saban's disciples, and, and this is really the fault of Saban's disciples, is – they come along and they coach under Saban for three for three years tops, and they are successful as the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, what have you. And they do that and they do that, and then they go to their next school and they take, this is what we did at Alabama, my two to three years that I was at Alabama. And they run that like it's the Bible. But at the same time, then you get, that was three years ago, and Saban's already evolved and that's why i think that nobody has come back and beat saban because by the time they come back and try to beat him with that playbook from who however many years ago he's three playbooks ahead like it's crazy i mean he's always evolving I, kiffin isn't like that kiffin already did his stuff and, and kiffin has his own personality and all this kind of stuff that is almost like the anti saban but he's also got that experience of being under Saban, and I think that's why he's going to beat him. Does he do it this year? I don't know, but he definitely gives him a fit, and he covers the spread. I put a lot of that – I rambled too much there, but I hope it makes sense. 
Yeah, I you know I think with that you got to give Kirby Smart some credit. I mean, he took Saban the national championship and honestly should have won that game. But um, you know, twenty points is a lot, and Ole Miss always gives Bama fits. But I I, I want to be different here. I just I don't know that that Bama or Ole Miss's defense has evolved enough to stop Bama, and I know Ole Miss is gonna put up some points. So that's non-negotiable. But I'm thinking the score here might end up being like fifty to twenty-seven or something like that. Ah, uh, ah, it's tough. It's tough. But I think I'm gonna go Bama here. I I, I want to see Bama cover. I know Saban hasn't been happy with the way his team has played so far, and I think we're gonna see a reformed Bama team after they got their butts whooped in practice by their coach, and I think they're gonna come out and cover. All right, next game, Florida, an eight-point favorite on the road, night game in uh, Kentucky. And it's a pretty good line, honestly, because I think Florida's definitely a touchdown better than Kentucky, but are they eight points on the road at night? And so far, Florida's just looked a lot better than I thought they were going to look. They've evolved pretty well. And Kentucky, despite beating us last week, I was very, very much unimpressed by their offense. Um, I think if a team is able to load the box against them and make Levis make plays, if they've got talent in the secondary, which Florida always does, then they're going to be in good shape. I think Florida wins this one going away. I've got them covering the eight points. Yeah, I got Florida covered. I mean, you could put that line up to 20, and I'd still take Florida. I don't think Kentucky's good at all, and I think Florida's a pretty damn good team. So. Yeah, Florida's been gaining more and more respect over the, over the last couple of weeks. I think eight is disrespectful to Florida, eight-point spread. As so I'm definitely taking the points, even if it's in Lexington. Next up, Tennessee at Missouri. Uh, Missouri, a three-point favorite. It's hard to say with these teams. I haven't been impressed by either of them. I think Tennessee is kind of about what we expected after losing all the players to the transfer portal. They're not super good. Um, but then Missouri, their defense has just looked horrible, especially against the run. And I don't know how good Tennessee's running game has been this year, but I know they've got an offensive-minded quarter, uh, a head coach, and I think Tennessee might pull this one out, to be honest. I've got them covering three. You said the spread is three? Yeah, Missouri is favored by three. <sighs> well, that's really tough. I think both of these teams are not very good. I like Basilak, Basilak, however you say his name. I think he's a good quarterback. I think Missouri has a decent offense, and I think they could be tough for Tennessee to just outscore here. Um, I don't know. I, I, I want to go with Missouri here. I, I haven't watched any Tennessee this year, so I can't really make a good prediction, but I like Mizzou here. Yeah, um, I, I think – this is kind of a tough one, too. I think y'all are right. Um, Missouri hasn't looked great at times. Tennessee hasn't looked great at times. But I think Tennessee might look a little bit better uh, with with this hooker guy that has kind of been under center the last couple weeks. Um, I mean, it's not like he had a phenomenal game against Florida. I mean, he had two touchdowns. He had over 200 yards. Florida was just better. And... Um, I don't think Missouri is anywhere close to Florida. So I'm going to go with Tennessee on this one. I think just the quarterback change, I think, is going to be enough of a spark to get the balls the the deal. All right, Auburn at LSU. This is a a really interesting one. LSU, a four-point favorite at home. And just looking at it this year, I probably – like these, these teams have had such odd results. I mean, Auburn looked decent but lost to Penn State. 
then comes in against Georgia State and really should have lost. Uh, it was a miraculous play at the end to end up beating Georgia State. That being said, last year I tried to use the previous results um, and said LSU was going to win by a mile, and Auburn won like 60-10 to 10 or some ridiculous number, so I got Auburn winning big. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Auburn, they were at start the year, their offense was blowing everyone out, and they looked like they were actually legit, and then, you know, they lose a close one to Penn State. Penn State's a good team, and then that Georgia State just throws a wrench in everything. I don't know how to pick Auburn at all. But I do like LSU's quarterback, and I think Bo Nix is a piece of human garbage as far as being a quarterback goes. So I'm going to go with LSU here. I, I think they've gotten a little better since the start of the year, and I think they can throw the ball. I'm not falling for this LSU minus four line again this week. That was bull crap what they did last week. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm going to go with Auburn here. Uh, I don't think that – I haven't seen a lot of LSU's quarterback, but I don't think there's that big of a talent different talent difference. I'd have to assume just between him and Bo Nix. Um, LSU, I mean, as much as I would love to be, have Coach O, the permanent until he dies coach at LSU, it's just not going to happen. He's on his way out. It, it, it's just not working for him. Um, not that I, I've said it before, I don't think that Harson's a good coach at Auburn either. I don't think that's going to pan out in time, but I think for the time being, I, I'm going to take Auburn. Mississippi State at Texas A&M. A&M an eight-point favorite coming off of that loss to Arkansas. Just a, a pretty disappointing season so far from them. Their backup quarterback has not looked super good. Um, this is tough, though, because I, I do think talent-wise, they're far and away better than Mississippi State. And As much as I would like to, to pick Mississippi State here, I just don't think they're going to win or cover on the road against A&M. Eight points. I think A&M wins by like 10. I think they need a bounce back game. I don't know if this is necessarily it, but I think they're they're going to win this game just off of talent alone. Yeah, I don't know. I picked both of these teams wrong all year. So, <laughs> I mean, A&M on paper should be better, right? But, I mean, ugh. I hate Mike Leach, you know? I really do. He's making his pick so hard. Um, yeah, I, I gotta go A and M too. I mean, they're just their defense should be enough to stop that garbage air raid play calling. So, yeah, I just don't respect Mississippi State. So, um, as much as they can prove me wrong and and cover a spread or something like that, I'm just I'm not gonna give into it. I'm gonna keep beating the disrespect drum, and I'm gonna pick A and M in this game. All right, and then the match of the year. I know I said Arkansas and Georgia, Ole Miss and Alabama. No, were you said exciting. those are matchups of the week. This is matchup oh, of the no. year. Oh, this, no. This is the matchup of the century. UConn, who has lost every game by like 50 points, is going on the road to face the Vanderbilt Commodores. Huge matchup. I expect a complete sellout. And uh, Vandy's a 14-point favorite in this game, and who would have ever seen Vandy being a 14-point favorite after their, their week one loss to a, a D3 school or whatever ETSU is? Well, I think and it's I, because and I, I think they're going to... Yeah, their and UConn's absolutely horrible. 
And you know what? I think Vandy covers. I don't have any reason to think Vandy's capable of putting up any points, but UConn probably needs to not be an FBS school. So yeah, I got, I got my Vandy boys here. I picked them against Colorado State. You think I'm not going to pick them here? Yeah, I, I want to so badly pick against Vandy to, like, just for the meme or whatever you want to call it. But um, just from what I have heard and seen and read about UConn, it's like the dumpster fire of all dumpster fires. I'm also still mad about the PapaJohns.com bowl. Vandy's taking this game, the points, all of it. Yeah, that, that wraps up the uh, SEC predictions of the week. Uh, we got anything else before we get ready for kickoff on Saturday? Oh, man. I'm glad it was in the stadium and not going about that drinking game we made up for the radio last week uh, <laughs> because I would have oh, drank shit. myself dead. Well, yeah, I think we'll be on the radio again this week, Tyler. Uh, it's been pretty fun so far over with 102.3, so shout out to them for having us on every week to to chat about the upcoming game and, and really get some good perspectives on the season as a whole. Yeah, they're probably going to kick me off eventually um, because, you know, I said that we'd beat ECU pretty handily. I, we didn't do that. I said we'd beat Kentucky. We didn't do that. I did say we'd lose to Georgia, but, I mean, pff, who wouldn't? So we'll, we'll ride it until they say this dude's an idiot. He's not coming back on anymore. But, uh, but hopefully they'll uh, you so. need you need uh you need me or Clayton on there more realistic <laughs> no <laughs> you'll you'll call someone like you'll you'll drop the worst word you could drop on radio Devin talking about like Marcus Hatfield <laughs> and you'll get you'll get this kicked off of that thing quicker than I would <laughs> <laughs> well hey sometimes people deserve to be called that word right not on the radio <laughs> you can not use your imagination the there. <laughs> and whatever you're thinking, yes, it's probably the word. It doesn't matter if you're not even thinking the same word. Like, he'll probably still drop that word. <laughs> There's a lot of words you could say, so yeah. they they usually all get covered within a five-minute span, you know? That's true. That's true. But it's a good one. Hopefully, we'll get back with you all next week, uh, back on the winning grind. Uh, maybe back on the on the winning, you know, that 3-2 trail there. But um, we'll have to see what happens. It's, Always an unpredictable week when, when the Gamecocks are involved. So, Alex said, hopefully it'll be a good week this week and we'll have a more upbeat podcast. Yeah, see y'all later. <laughs>